Welcome to the Beantown Podcast, the People's Podcast. Today we are talking politics. Uh, we're going to be joined by a special correspondent in a little bit here. I was going back and forth this week thinking how I wanted to do it because uh, you know me, I, I don't like to talk politics because of all the Obama tapping and, and stuff that's been going on. But uh, uh, we are going to uh, take this in a completely different direction, uh, a, a completely right direction, if you will, pun intended, and uh, and we are going to go a la right-wing conservative uh, Fox News, uh, Bill O'Reilly, Tommy Lahren, Ben Shapiro. We're just going to really go for it. So without further ado, this is Beantown Podcast Talks Politics. Feel free to reach out to us on Twitter, we are at BeantownCast. Our email is BeantownPodcast at Yahoo.com. That's Beantown, B-E-A-N-T-O-W-N, podcast at Yahoo.com. And finally, listener discretion is advised when you are listening to the Beantown Podcast, number one, because we will occasionally use some liberal-type language here and there. And then number two, uh, the podcast is just subjectively terrible. And although I'm going for my podcasting Emmy with this episode, uh, it you know there are I set low low standards for myself. So we are going to get right into it with our lead story: left, crazy leftists calling for violence against the right. Earlier this week, left-wing nut job Maxine Waters urged supporters to surround members of the Trump cabinet at restaurants, gas stations, department stores. We're talking. Like Chick-fil-A's people, Home Depot's, Kmart's, where, where does it stop with Maxine Waters urging them to incite widespread violence and bloodshed against members of the Trump administration? Then I don't know. You guys, I, I'm not a fan of failing Comedy Central. Trevor Noah, I don't think it's very funny. Don't listen to him. But Comedy Central writer Curtis Cook this week tweets, I wish this Kennedy had been shot instead of the other one. So let's jump right into this. Now, this isn't anything new. Left-wing Democrats, supposedly the party of tolerance and of acceptance, have been in a gigantic uproar for a year and a half now, ever since Trump took office and the failing Obama administration left the White House in shame, scandal, and humiliation. Now, the announcement that Justice Kennedy will retire, a man who is 81 years old, I might add. He doesn't get to retire because he's 81 years old. This announcement has sent the extremist alt-left media full of libtards and snowflakes into an absolute frenzy. From mass shootings to false claims of collusion, the alt-left has been crying for days upon end, and now it seems like they've completely lost their cool. On Good Morning America this week, Terry Morin bitched that Kennedy's retirement guarantees that this court and this country is going to change profoundly. Others have referred to the news as an absolute earthquake, uh, whining about the democratic process of nominating a new Supreme Court justice. Even CNN has gone so fa failing fake news, CNN, I will add, has gone so far, and I don't really watch them, but I heard people say this, to say that the Constitution of our own country is under attack. Seriously, liberals? Seriously? So when did we decide that conservatives aren't allowed to have democratic principles? Ever since 2008, when America and the Dems launched a full-out onslaught of our republic, we've continued to see a double standard. Invite whichever speakers you want your campus to engage in discourse, in discussion with your students, as long as they're left-wing or black or gay. 
value all life and advocate and crusade for human rights, but not if they're unborn children. What's up with that? Investigate our country's general election over the meddling of foreign powers, wasting valuable time, energy, and resources on a judicial witch hunt in order to smear our president, but ignore the own tainted elections in the DNC that allowed crooked Hillary to win the Democratic nomination. And whose fault is it? Of course, it's President Trump. And of course, it's Republicans. Ever since losing so badly in 2016, Dems can't seem to stop whining, complaining, and flat out bitching, excuse my language, about how hard their lives are. So what's the easy thing to do? Blame the politicians who work long and hard in order to get elected by you, the people. Not only do crazy left-wingers want to take our human rights away, but another after another mass shooting by a crazy MS-13 member, they want to take all of your firearms away, away from upstanding, hardworking Americans. And why? Because we're white. Because we won. Because we're winners. Look at 2016. Because we have this so-called white privilege, apparently, I don't know, because suddenly it's a crime to love the country you're from. When did Uncle Sam and God become enemy of Dems once they started losing? Okay, let's let's bring in Beantown podcast political correspondent Nick Albano now live from Capitol Hill or close to Capitol Hill. Nick, thank you for joining us. How are you doing today? That was quite a speech. Uh, before, I'd like to say uh, hello to all the followers of Beantown, specifically one follower, uh, Quinn's mom. Thank you for listening, and I'm here to uh, convert all of y'all to socialists. So. Uh, let's get to it. Oh, boy. Things could get fiery. Nick, let's put it bluntly. Why do the Democrats hate America? <laughs> uh, the current state of our government um, is as such that it is acceptable to <laughs> create concentration camps on the border and put children in it. And so if you are a leftist and uh, are seeing this uh, take place in your country, I don't think it's... Uh, wrong for the average uh, American to not be proud to be an American at this point. Um, when you wake up and understand that your government is not only uh, rounding up children, putting them into camps and separate from families, um, it's kind of hard to be proud. It's kind of hard to want to be a part of a country that thinks that's acceptable. So I, I think current left is uh, a pretty good way to summarize it up, honestly. We've seen the guilt trip before. We've seen the tears. We're going to talk about how all the Dems want a completely immigration-free, open borders policy in a little bit later here on the show. We see failing CNN, New York Times, all those fake news media outlets complaining about this stuff. Uh, so you're saying that any gang members and criminals, wh whoever, should just be able to waltz into Texas and and take over like Sicario, Day of the Soldado, uh, out in the theaters now. Nick, what's what, what do you what do you say to that? Well, we're trying to get advertising dollars. Thank you. Seeing 
fail, and they're coming to this country for a better opportunity. And what we're doing on the border is uh, rounding them up, putting them in camps, and uh, holding them there indefinitely and separating families. Uh, nothing on the left says that that's acceptable. Uh, nothing in American politics should uh, allow that to be acceptable. Um, and so I don't, I think the left is quite in the right. And when history books are written, I think we'll be uh, lauded for that. Let's, let's talk about these, these crazy left-wing politicians, Hollywood elite from this last week. What do you make of people like Maxine Waters and Curtis Cook calling for open violence against Republicans just because they're winners? Well, <laughs> uh, Curtis Cook isn't a Democrat. Uh, he's not an elected official. So I thought it was an interesting he brought that up. Um, Maxine Waters is an interesting case because she came out and said what all Americans should be saying uh, when there's concentration camps in your country. And what was interesting about the, that week was within 24 hours, Pelosi went and Schumer denounced her, um, shooting their own uh, congresswoman in the foot, essentially. Um, and I, it was very interesting to see that happen when they didn't need to. It was clear that if you're going to... Uh, call for the correcting of Trump officials who at that time were supporting policy. Uh, you can do that behind closed doors and to do that publicly and then that starts being thrown at Maxine. Uh, it was very interesting. Um, oh, cool. My roommate's here. Uh, subject. Uh, sorry about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry doing this in my living room um you're like the uh you remember that it was a very interesting week and i i definitely maxine waters over with any democrat at the moment because she's saying exactly what needs to be said you can't have this type of policy being uh, implemented by your federal government and just sit by idly you can't be a people that allows that to happen uh i think most people have when they were reading the history, their history books in high school and middle school, read about you know authoritarian regimes and probably asked themselves, what would I do if my country uh, became like that? What would I? What would you do? And I think it's quite easy. That the easiest, safest tactic is to make sure that those individuals who are enacting that can't get a burrito, can't leave their house without feeling that their policy has ramifications for their own personal safety. Uh, you can't allow that. Uh, you should not be, to clarify, murdering these officials. You should not be enacting violence. But they should be able to get a job once this is over. They should be allowed to, well, yeah, be out in public and not, and feel safe. Because their policies are making thousands of people not feel safe as well. And, uh, I love Maxine Waters for her Stance. Last question here on this topic before we move to our second story. Uh, we've been getting a lot of tweets, a lot of emails, Facebook messages from a lot of concerned Americans this week on this topic. Do you think it's harder in America 2018 to be successful if you're white? <laughs> when you wrote that question, you sent me that question, I just laughed at it because I didn't know. It was just so fucking dumb the question asked. Um, is it harder to make a living being white? 
Well, no, well, well look at affirmative action. White people aren't even allowed to get into Harvard now because of affirmative action. I'm pretty sure like Harvard is like 70 percent white. <laughs> it's like above 70 or 60 percent uh, white. Uh, most institutions, our university we went to, I think was like 60 to 70 percent white. Well, of course, uh, it went to a sanctuary city, so whites flourish. Like, it's, very, it's very easy to be a white man in this. Very easy to be white in this country. Don't don't even get it's, me it's started like, on sanctuary laugh. cities. It's, it's almost laughably easy. We need to cool down. We're going to run to our, our, our secondary <laughs> story here. Tempers are flaring on the Beantown podcast. Our, our second story, and, and we'll get you in on this one too, Nick. Uh, Democrats calling for completely open borders. Yesterday, butthurt protesters from across the nation rallied in large, libtard sanctuary cities calling for a policy left-wingers have been creaming themselves in their pants about for years. Completely wide open borders, or as so many have been calling them, Obama borders. Apparently, according to Democrats, detaining illegal aliens for attempting to sneak into our country makes us all racist. But where was this outrage when Bush and Obama were in charge? Similarly to what we covered in our last story, liberal outrage over policies that have stood in place for centuries only boils over when they're behind. Sore losers much? You betcha. As illustrated by the continued witch hunt, one which has lasted well over a year now, and the left's continuous incoherent jumble of rage over the same immigration policies enforced by Democrat heroes such as JFK and Obama, the liberals and all left-lefters are beginning to resemble the passenger list on a cruise ship for crazies. See, in this day and age... The left's only identity is to whine and complain about all the winning taking place over in the White House. Instead of substantive and constructive policy debate, they only seem to care about tearing each other down, further dividing our country, and waging war brother against brother. Time and time again, crazy left-wingers act as if they're victims of some apocalyptic destruction that, if isn't stopped soon, will mean the end of democracy and liberty, the same values liberals try to destroy on a daily basis. See, sticks and stones and MS-13 and radical Muslims may break our bones, but it's the liberals now who are really trying to hurt us. Finally, to top it all off, the Hollywood liberal elite and politicians like crazy Kirsten Gillibrand are now calling to abolish ICE, the same agency that protects 325 million Americans from gangbangers, aliens, and violent criminals every day, 24-7, 365 days a year. No days off for those guys. And now the cuckoo Dems want to do away with this agency? Destroy it. Get rid of it. They're effectively telling U.S. citizens, hey, you guys, we don't value your lives. We want to kill your babies. And now we want to get rid of people trained and hired to protect you. And with the open borders, they're also now saying, hey, violent criminals. Hey, African warlords. Hey, Central American guerrillas and not the fun kind. Hey, Eastern European rapists. We want you in our country. We sure hate unborn babies and liberty and freedom, but we would love to have you over here. Does that make sense? It does not make sense to me, frankly. Uh, so with that, I want to bring Nick uh, back in, Beantown Political uh, Correspondent Nick. Uh, why do you think the loony liberals value the lives of rapists and criminals more than they value the lives of unborn babies? That was quite a rant. 
also really proud that you were able to write all that uh, in under 24 hours. Like, props to you. You really did read uh, up on your O'Reilly. Um, yesterday, yesterday was very interesting uh, in terms of the uh, family separation march because they were able to do that within a week. I saw numbers in Chicago was the largest with 60,000 people showing up. Uh, another sign that... Uh, People are just incredibly fed up. And I, I'll add, Chicago, the murder rate is over 92%. Yeah. <laughs> and? <laughs> what? <laughs> go, go ahead. Um, luckily, no one was murdered at any of those rallies. Um, yeah, there's been... A, there was a, a, somebody brought in your rant about Obama's uh, not having type of energy against him. And it's, it's true to a point that... The left was not as energized against Obama's deportation policies, which were uh, terrible and should be critiqued at every uh, length, um, as much as we've seen under Trump. And I think there's been kind of a reckoning, especially amongst the Polish ICE activists and the kind of movement that's happening on the left right now, where Obama's policies helped lead to uh, ICE being able to separate children at the border and create these camps. He had an opportunity in eight years to you know, reel back this uh, immigration policy and said he ramped it up in an attempt to appease like Republicans in the Senate and the House to get an uh, immigration bill. And it got him jack shit. So the, the kind of conscience of the left at the moment is if once we're back in power, if we are ever in that position, this agency has to be eradicated because the only place this agency can go is where it went to last week, where they are implementing a policy of separating children from their mothers at the border and placing them in the concentration camps. And I brought this up like 10 times, I've used the term concentration camp, because that's what it is. And we have to come to blows with, that's the reality. And so it's a great, it's a movement that is luckily taking off. And I hope that whoever tries to run for the Democratic nominee in 2020 has to go on the national stage and say we're going to abolish ICE and then within the first hundred days actually do so because the only place this agency can go is naturally to the right and we're seeing that today. Now if the, the dummy Democrats or as I term I just coined the Democrats, if they get their way and they have open borders, how long do you think it would be before groups like MS thirteen and ISIS completely take over? And do you see this as the fallout from us electing a radical Muslim in 2008. Jesus. <laughs> you really went deep in the bribe bar for that one. Um, more people die from heroin overdose than um, an opioid overdose than uh, violence by uh, M713. I personally know eight people from my high school who overdosed on opioids, and I don't know a single person who's ever had any issues with uh, M713. So it's just kind of another fascist talking point from the right um, just to really characterize uh, anyone who crosses the border or anyone who comes to this country into these kind of very violent groups and it's quite unfortunate that we're living in a government that is pushing this rhetoric it's disheartening well don't get me started on the amount of uh, you know, criminal criminal immigrants who flood into Elburn and distribute their drugs <laughs> yeah. and their kidnappers and I it, yeah separate topic we don't have time yeah. to really get I don't into want that. To talk about the trauma of, the, of that 
<laughs> exactly. Let's 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 finish up here with uh, with some final thoughts. All about uh, primary season is is happening all around us. So this past week, yeah. with Rod Blagojevich still behind bars, I will add the Democrats. The Democrats saw some <laughs> shocking upsets in election results, including Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, a Venezuelan immigrant with connections to MS-13. Nick, what are some of your thoughts and takeaways from these recent primaries? What does it mean for the midterm elections? Cortez is probably the, the first hopeful um, election we've had. Well, that's not Jeff Jones, but like, she's probably the most hopeful thing we've had this summer. This has just been a brutal summer for Democrats. Um, the upcoming elections, it is the... If you are concerned about uh, Republicans running the government and these type of uh, people being in power for the next you know, four to eight years, this is your opportunity to say, this is literally your last chance um, to make a statement, in my opinion, if we're not able to take least back the House and slow down some of these policies and really obstruct uh, some of the policies they want to implement, it's very unlikely that we're going to be able to gin up enough energy in 2020 and in 2022 to, you know, roll back some of these policies. This is the kind of your last, it is like Democrats' last stand. In many ways, the 16 most Republicans' last stand. And it's going to be a really interesting plot of this election. There's more women running for office than at any time in history, and they're winning at incredibly high in our district in the 14th Lauren Underwood is running and if she were able to flip that district it would just be you know, a beautiful day <laughs> a gerrymandered district and uh, where I'm from I'm personally excited for November 8th because I think we have a best chance I think we have really high numbers but um, someone, someone tweeted this out and it, it's been kind of weighing on my mind they said a government that once again, creates concentration camps on the border is not a government that's going to engage in free uh, elections. And that's been the way I'm behind it. So the only way we can you know, beat that is everyone's got to get a clipboard. Everyone's got to knock on some doors and we've got to flip some state seats. So it's going to be very exciting and nerve-wracking, terrifying. So we'll see where it goes. Nick, you you live right in Washington. You got your finger on the pulse. What do you what do you feel in terms of a Democratic uh, nominee for president in twenty twenty? Who you, who are you looking at right now? Oh, it's it's, it's probably the dumbest thing anyone can tell you is uh, that someone is a going to win or b has like, the easy shot to win uh, because what we noticed in I very vividly remember in twenty fifteen saying talking about who was going to win the presidency and how the Dems couldn't possibly lose. And uh, here I am, completely wrong, living in hell world. Um, I hopefully, I'm not going to say uh, anyone, because no one has really like, impressed me too much, because it's so early, but hopefully it'll be, it'll be someone who understands that you know, ICE has to be abolished, that people deserve Medicaid for all, that climate change policy, we don't have much time. In fact, we may even be too late uh, in some cases. And that there is a, a need for antitrust policy in this country more than since the Gilded Age, uh, because our political power, the working class of individuals um, and lower classes, is dwindling 
and an, a real American uh, oligarchy is kind of being created in its place. It's very nerve-wracking, and I think a candidate who is able to vividly spell up those issues will be the one who I'm stumping for and tweeting about religiously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but we'll see. We've got people will start running and get things will start getting really heated on November 9th, 2018. So. Get, uh, get ready for that. Very good, very good. Well, I want to thank Beantown Podcast political correspondent Nick Albano for joining us today. Nick, I'll, I'll have you stay on the line for one second after we go off the air to just uh, wrap it up and get you your uh, your speaking engagement payment. Do I get a medal? Uh, Do I get, are you going to send me a uh, Chipotle gift card? I could really use food. I'm starving. Uh, <laughs> Is this coming I, from the man who, who pays mere pennies for his Washington, D.C. apartment? Uh, okay. uh, Nick, we'll keep you on. I, I got I, lucky. <laughs> I just want to say, hey, hey, look at us, uh, libtards, Democrats, alt-left. I can bring on a crazy left-winger here, and we can have a good political discourse. We can keep it civil. No one's calling for anyone else to be murdered, like Maxine Waters said. So I want to want to thank Nick, but more so, I want to thank myself for putting this show on. Uh, well, this has you, been uh, this has been Quinn David Furness. Uh, this is my podcast. Um, that's that's it. There, I'm going to break character. Um, 26 minutes in. Thank you for uh, for putting up with that. If you're infuriated, um, I I hope you are infuriated. Uh, we. Uh, we wrote this uh, this morning. We did not rehearse, um, and it was it was a lot of fun. So, um, thank you again for listening. And uh, what I'm going to do is is end it right here because we've had some long podcasts uh, happening recently. So. Thank you for listening. You can email us at beantownpodcast@yahoo.com. You can tweet at us. We're at beantowncast. I think this was episode 25, maybe, which was a big milestone, so that's exciting. Um, we are halfway through the year here. Next week, we're going to be coming to you live from Chicago. We are doing our one-year anniversary since moving away from Chicago special live from Chicago, which I understand might be confusing for a lot of you, so just bear with us. It's going to be fun. It's going to be probably coming from my old apartment apartment up in uh, Rogers Park, which uh, if you ever seen Katrina footage, it's like that, but uh, twice as bad. So anyways, Jesus, no, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> I'll show you. Ter- I'll share some pictures example. to the Beantown podcast page after uh, next weekend. Thank you for listening. Uh, thank you to Nick for joining me, and uh, we will catch you next week.